This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the Alpaca Tribe, the podcast for alpaca people. It's been a, a good week. <laughs> some things have gone really slow, and some things have happened quite quickly. I'll tell you about that in a minute. I just wanted to continue really the stories of some of the, the stuff around the births and, and what's going on with the girls here. There's a range of things that we have to do as keepers of alpacas. At the birthing time, then a lot of that is being at the, in the right place at the right time, really, helping out when needed, but keeping out of things and not getting involved when you don't need to. Don't over-fiddle, don't over-involve yourself. It does stress them, so try and keep it relaxed. One of the advantages with uh, the whole problem with coronavirus and being in lockdown means that we haven't had the visitors that we normally have. The girls are really, really relaxed this year. It's very interesting, very different kind of feel. And they're, they're much more relaxed with the babies as the new ones have arrived. Um, Amelia, last week, she had <laughs> she had a, a girl for the first time in years and years and years. She's only ever had boys before. And this time was her first female career, which is great. They're doing really well. And uh, there's a video clip on, on the website, which shows that the little one is ready for play. Uh, some super sweetness there, cuteness. So you can have a look at that. The, they tend to wander around, tend to be quite spread out, which is quite nice. And they're happy to be in little groups here and there. Millie, the leader, well, she tends to be wandering off. She's, she's heavily pregnant at the moment. Uh, on paper, at least, she's got a couple of weeks to go, 10 days to go. But she's, she's definitely in that phase. <laughs> it's a Millie phase it leading up. And you can tell you're on the trajectory, but you're not quite sure how far along the route you are and how long it's going to take. So there are indicators and you keep your eye on those. But all right, the other day she was wandering around with her tail up, for example. Uh, and this for her is a classic sign and other alpacas as well. But no, it didn't really produce anything, obviously. But it's an indicator of a sense of discomfort, a sense of uh, moving towards birth. But it wasn't that imminent. So she has, in the past, kept me waiting for ages and ages, and all the signs are there, and still nothing. But uh, she tends to wander off, and she's by herself, but she's got, got a bit of a limpet. Her, her youngster, a female in the group here with the girls, she, uh, two years old now, thereabouts, and she's sticking to her. Um, she's involved in other things and goes off and investigates, but she's sticking very close to, to Millie. There's a lot of stuff that they do pick up on as a group. They recognise what's happening and they can... So there's a lot of things that they pick up on. Obviously, there's the pheromones that are around, there's the smells. Um, but also, I think on behaviour, they get a sense of what's happening. And they kind of stay close, but not too close. They're, they're around. They're in attendance, I would say, is a good way of describing it. Uh, some welcome that and some don't. But it's interesting. When they do settle down and they're chewing the cud, they, they, they get... They do settle down really quite close, and the babies are never too far away. 
not from their mums, but I mean they, they're not too far from their mums, but they they're also very close to the ones who are probably closest to giving birth. So that's quite interesting that they're picking up on something as well. So you have to watch the group, you watch the herd, you watch for interactions, you watch for the signs and the signals, the the repeated visits to the poo pile, particularly if they're not producing um, anything. If they've got a sensation, they've got contractions going on, they don't know anything else than to go to the poo pile. So that's something of what's happening there. But it's a, a number of things that you're watching for. And it's when they all come together. And just lifting a tail is not significant in its own right. But it can be, at some point, you're going to be right. Sometimes it will be just before they give birth. Um, but you need to both recognize the signs and interpret them correctly. So don't go panicking if you see things, but just be aware that there's a trajectory that they're now on. Yeah, you get patterns as well. Very interesting. For some reason, this year, uh, Amelia with Betson, whether it's because it's a girl, don't know, but she normally, in the past, she's talked to the babies a couple of days before, sometimes a week before. She'll start talking and humming away to mm-hmm and talking away to the to the baby before it's born and then continues continuously once they've arrived she hasn't done that this time she she surprised me by giving birth she is calling for the baby but she's not quite as she's much more relaxed actually this year it's interesting as an observation i think she's a lot more relaxed than she has been with previous ones now is that to do with it being a female that is one factor is it just the dynamics in the herd at the moment the group size and freedom that they've got etc don't know so there's a number of things you can't always understand these things you just kind of file them away and at some point it will make sense we do read things into things though don't we we do anthropomorphize we do put human emotions and things onto our animals and things that we see most of the time that's not appropriate really it's not accurate not true however sometimes we are picking up correctly particularly if you've been around alpacas a while, you do tune in and you do pick up the things that are there for picking up. And yeah, so don't ignore those things either. But (laughs) we also like to talk about them in particular ways, don't we? That's just the way it is. That's fine. So now the other day, where are we? Uh, I've lost track already. Two days ago, Nona. Well, first of all, the the group had wandered off. They were on the, near the lake, up, up on the bank, and there's a flat area, there's some trees, and they were all up there. And then I was able to get in a position where I could watch them with a telescope from a distance, keep an eye on them. Now, I was watching one. She was lying down. I was sure. The movements, the little head movements, the, the little kind of stretches. Absolutely convinced that that Yona, that's her name, that Yona was actually in labour. Convinced. Absolutely convinced. She's about, oh, and now she's definitely even more so. She's lying on her side. Everyone else had moved around, had a bit of graze here, graze there. She was lying on her side, really didn't move much at all, apart from these little stretches and things. I was convinced. It's two days old. She still hasn't had the baby. So I was watching her, watching her, watching her. And then all of a sudden, at the corner of my eye, I I noticed some some movement and thought, oh, what's going on with Nona? Uh, Nona's one of the older females and she's she's had some problems um prematures and uh late in the in the evening and things like that so it's it's been often it's been difficult so i've been keeping an eye on her generally but was totally fixed on on yona as as the next one about to give birth and all of a sudden nona is on the go oh there's definitely something i need to 
go get my bag. I've got it. Well, I've got actually got a box, got a, a toolbox, and I've got all my bits and pieces in there, which is waterproof and easy to carry. So I picked this up and moved along steady pace without running. But the others all saw me. Oh, he's got that box in his hand. And they all followed me along the bank. And then they got back to where to, to Nona was. She was off, a bit off by herself. But they all kept on. Oh, they all crowded round, crowded round. And this baby was delivered super fast by the time I got over there and uh, was there. But they all crowded round. Well, that's what they do. They're, they're welcoming the new baby. And then somebody won't name names because I can't remember who it was. Somebody started a drift and they all wandered off. And poor old Nona, new baby, lying in the grass, wriggling and gradually working out how to sit up and all that kind of stuff, doing, doing its normal progression. And all the others have wandered off and they've gone. They abandoned her. There was me and Nona and the baby. And Nona wasn't too keen about me being too close. Uh, there was a few times when she came close. I got a funny smell. <laughs> She was ready to spit, but she didn't actually spit at me. We managed to to work that one through. So I was able to to get in. She does trust me, but she she does want, doesn't want me too close to the baby. Or to her, really. Uh, she's a sweetie. We do have an understanding, but it's uh, she likes her distance as well. So there's the progression, but it was really slow. And this little thing sat there. And she stood around grazing. She stood over the baby and grazed around him. So it was a little boy, this one. So Carwin, let us see. So that was interesting. She stood over him to protect him and grazed around him. And he was cushed. And, and But he wasn't really very keen on getting up. In the end, I did help him to his feet. Just concerned because of the length of time. I was keen that he, he gets some milk. And uh, he's got such long legs. He found this really difficult. Standing up was a real challenge and he couldn't quite control them as the, you know, the first hour or so was a bit of a challenge trying to work out how to make these things behave and do what you want them to. So that was a challenge for him to stand up and stay standing up. And then he's got such long legs, he couldn't get in the right position. He did get near, got his head close, worked his way back and got his head roughly where the other was, but his head's flat. He had such long legs, he didn't have to turn his head up to... <laughs> to reach the udder. So he hadn't quite got the idea. He was in the right place, but hadn't quite got the idea of suckling. So he flopped down again and uh, it was, went on for quite a while. But eventually he was up, got him underneath and got, he, he turned his head slightly and managed to, I think. And the most successful feeding in the end was when he got in kind of between her front legs and back legs, if that makes sense, under her body, looking for the milk. But he kind of stumbled back and his back legs were then pushed up against her front legs, if you can picture that, and he's facing back towards the other. So it meant that he couldn't keep wandering backwards and drifting out of out of reach. It stabilised him enough so he could actually get some milk, which was great. So there was a bit of feeding going on. She fairly soon, after he got up and was starting looking for milk, she fairly soon after that passed the placenta and the afterbirth, um, and that was all intact. Everything was great. So that was fine. So I kept having to go back and check on the other crowd now to see whether there was anything happening without me seeing it in the other group. They were all happy. And I kept going back to Nona and she got a bit freaked by a squirrel who came a bit too close. But uh, otherwise she was reasonably relaxed. Lots of grazing, trying to get this boy up on his feet. And in the end, I was a bit concerned they were separated off. I, I wanted them all to be back together. So I picked him up and carried him through. She chunted at me. 
uh, but followed me along and we, we got them all back in the same group along with the, the rest of them. And they mobbed him, of course. And she was a bit stressed by all these <laughs> all these alpacas getting too close to, to her baby. But she got there in the end. And uh, that was that was a good move, I think, in the end. And you've got to know, it's just kind of balance. I wanted to leave them separate, but in the end I decided it was better to go through the, the stress of me picking him up and, and carrying him to join the other group, the rest of the group, rather than have them, them separate. I was just a little bit concerned. This we got crows around and, you know, there's just... It's unlikely, but it's possible. And I just didn't want them to get into difficulties. So that was, uh, in the end, that was my judgment call. And I think it was probably right, but you never know. And sometimes you do these things, like trying to help him stand up and trying to help him get, him, get under and get some food. So he'd been trying a few times and I was a bit concerned he was losing energy. But no, he did all right. And actually my trying to help made it worse, as often is the case. And as you, you kind of push them forward, you kind of nudge them forward from the back, they push back against you. They don't want to be pushed forward, so they, they move the opposite direction. And, and then he falls over and, and, and. So it gets a bit... Tr- and then the, the mum moves around. She's getting stressed by you being too close. So generally stay away. Generally don't get involved but know when you have to and do as little involvement and, and fiddling as you as you need to. We got him weighed in the end and he was 6.9 kilos, so that's a good size as well, especially for her. And he was well developed, so uh, especially, especially these really long legs, which was good. So that was a, a relief, but uh, yeah, that was a bit difficult them being separated like that. So I got them all back together. Now, the, these skills that they have to develop quite quickly... Um, they do make very, very quick progress in terms of feeding, in terms of being able to stand. Controlling the legs is a major issue and, and they get to the standing and then they do running. And usually a day after they, they try on their fast legs and have a good run around and they'll then start playing. Particularly if there's other career around of the same age, they, they really do like to play. And they bounce around, <laughs> get into trouble and run into the adults and all that kind of stuff. Oh, the other the other day, Anne Harrod, the, the firstborn. And Harrod was there and she obviously had a little, oh, got an itch, need to, to scratch. So she she was standing and she kind of, well, she ended up air scratching. So she, she got the idea that she could use her back leg and she could scratch this itch up near her ear. <laughs> but she missed completely. She was about three, four inches away um, just because she couldn't control the legs and things. But she had the right idea, just couldn't quite deliver the, the necessary skill to get rid of the scratch. But um that was the first day. After then, no, she's absolutely fine. So they're fast, bouncing, running around, much more control and feeding well as well and, and getting used to sitting and waiting while the adults are having their food. Today we did have a little one. So Carwin, who's the uh, the youngest now, uh, known as boy, he, he did get stuck. I had to go and rescue him. I waited quite a while, but I, in the end I felt I needed to intervene. He was lying out in full sun. Nona had moved off. She was in the shade, but he was lying in full sun. And the problem was he was lying on a, on a slope. And somehow, he'd, as often the case, they kind of settle and move slightly. And then they end up with the feet uphill and the body downhill. So they stand up towards their feet. And when the feet are uphill, they've got extra gravity to... They've got to get up to their feet anyway. But they also can't kind of get to their feet without... Competing with gravity. Uh, I'll show you the video. It's on the website as well. But it's it's a bit of a challenge 
to to stand up at the best of times when you're only a, a day old. So I, I went over. Usually, the my approach is enough adrenaline and and panic to get them to their feet. Um, in this case, he was really struggling, and uh, Nona was very unhappy. She'd gone over to try and sort him out, and she ended up standing on him. And I think that's what got him up in the end. Uh, it's not my technique. I don't stand on them to make them stand up, but. No, no, she was trampling on him. She was watching me rather than watching the baby, I think. Oh, dear. This is where, you know, don't over-involve yourself unless you have to. So just be aware of those things. So that was a, that's a regular thing, though. They do get stuck, and particularly in full sun, I'm just cautious that they don't lie out in in the sun for too long. They enjoy being in the sun, but for too long, they can, they're going to get dehydrated. So they, I mentioned about the adults feeding when we put the food out, and, and Amelia... Uh, is normally very, very attentive to her youngsters. She's very, very interested in food at the moment. So she she regularly, there's a melee going on. There's all these feed troughs and bowls and all spread out. And uh, she regularly just goes off and the baby's detached and lost. And eventually she kind of panics and hmm, 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 comes running after, trying to find out where, where she's gone. Little little Betson. But uh, yeah, it happens that the babies get separated. I mean, we, uh, you remember the story of Owena? I, I told you. I went down, put the food out first before looking inside the, the stable, and that's when I noticed on the poop pile there was a <laughs> there was the afterbirth. So somebody had given birth. I wasn't sure which one, and I couldn't find the baby. I eventually did, and then carried this little thing around trying to reunite. And Owena suddenly, oh, oh, baby, that one's mine. <laughs> so she was panicking, and, and I've had problems with her as well. She's got no idea where her feet are. She's a big girl. She's got no idea where her feet are, and she regularly would come towards me and then stand on the baby, to protect, protecting the baby from me by standing on it. Not a good idea. She's such a big girl. So, yeah, again, you need to balance this thing of being involved and not being involved. I think I made that point. So, yeah, the, the wandering I mentioned about uh, spreading around and, and Millie, and part of this reason, this, this moving around is they're looking for something well, they're looking for something new, looking for different. They're looking for better grazing, looking for some more grass, looking for some shade, looking for some sun. There's a number of factors that they'll they'll change their position for. And they have a little routine in the but it's changed since the babies have started arriving and since some are, are clearly close to giving birth and being mums. They they're not travelling off as far away. Uh, they're not going up the end of the valley of it in the woods or anything like that. They're staying close to stable area, to, uh, the, the fields just nearby there. So, And then in the evening, they'll wander off and they'll go a bit further and onto the bank down by the lake. It's a bit cooler down there. But the flies, oh, there's quite a lot of flies around. We've got different types. There's some little little black annoying ones, um, which is just one of those things. We got we have got some the green bottles. We've got blue bottles of the big blue ones, um, blow flies. But you've also got the, the green ones, which are, again are related and they're the ones that will lay eggs and you can get maggots so you're looking for, for fly strike less of an issue when they're all sheared but it can be a problem so do keep an eye out for that particularly for the youngsters as well making sure that there's any soiled fleece or anything that it could be an attraction point for the flies so warm weather damp weather mix the two it's ideal for the flies keep an eye on that and today look i've started my kill count i've got two so far today the very large horse flies appeared and it's a, oh, I hate them. They there's a technique. They land on the alpacas. They got really big eyes, so they can see you coming. You got to be, got to be quick and stealthy. Um, but they'll tend to fly away. So the alpacas pick up on you being stealthy, and they think that you're hunting them, and they don't like it. So you get 
the alpaca will move before you can get close enough. So anyway, I found this technique I use is a snatch and grab. So I'll get close enough and then I'll kind of snatch over the, the top of this fly and grab it. You then have to squeeze it. I'm sorry about this. Details. Too many details. Squeeze it till it crunches and then, if necessary, throw it on the floor and stamp on it. They are so resilient, these jolly old things, and they got such big biting mouth parts. I've once been bitten. They are horrendous. But I, I don't, really don't like them on the, the alpacas, and particularly they, they come on the babies because the, the babies don't tend to move them off so much. So I've had two today already, so it's that time of year. Normally it's the 9th of July. It's a little bit early, um, but normally it's almost the same day, date, every year that these uh, will appear. So I'll just have to keep, I'll put some fly repellent spray on, but I'll have to keep an eye on what's going on and try and <laughs> go do my snatch and grab where where necessary. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things to be aware of. We've got other biting flies, which are the, the normal sort of sheep, clegg type things. Um, they're, they're a problem, but there's not so much you can do. The alpacas don't like the flies, but they, they don't like being sprayed either. So I've, I've ten, where I can, I'll spray the paper, some blue, blue paper towel type stuff, and then wipe that. I'll give them a, a, a wipe over or otherwise spray them. But they, they get stressed and panicky when I start spraying legs and, and things. So some of them that are particularly bothered, the, the darker ones, get, get the flies. They're under the trees and, and in the shade and the darker alpacas, that's where you're going to find flies. If you want to go looking for flies, that's where they'll be. And I've got this uh, the spray, which works quite well, which hasn't got any nasty chemicals in it, but it's it's got some aromatic oils and things which will tend to keep away the flies is not perfect, but it's a reducing uh, effect at least. So there we are. So that's the flies, and we just need to try and keep the the babies protected. And if need be, you can get it in a, in a, like a gel form rather than a spray, so you can actually get it close enough. You want to keep away from the top of the head and the tail. That's where the mum smells to check that it's their baby. You'll see them when they they nudge them under to go for milk, and as they go under, they'll they'll put their head down and smell the tail. And there are other times that they'll, you'll see them, they're smelling the head. They're the two particular areas they know it's their career because of checking the smell at that point. And uh, there's one of them yesterday, little Betson, cheeky thing. She had his green mark on her neck. Why was that? Well, she'd been looking for milk in the wrong place. And eventually one of the adults had actually spat at her. So not much, just a bit. Normally they just give me a little nudge, move them away. But occasionally they'll they'll do that, so... So that's where we've got to. I'm watching and waiting and watching and waiting. And that's just the current state of affairs. We're in a little heat wave, a little two-day heat wave, I think, here in the UK. And uh, I'm looking forward to that being over at the weekend. It's going to drop down again, but it's we're up about 30 degrees C. I can never do the Fahrenheit for that, just off the top of my head. It's a lot, anyway. It's going to be a hot day. And we have a little bit of late breaking news. So I mentioned about Yona and how we were <laughs> waiting for her, waiting for her. She was the one I was watching. And then I wasn't watching. Um, we had a thing this afternoon where Carwin, he was kind of crashed out in the sun. So he'd been lying in the sun a lot and I was a bit concerned. And so we went down to move him and put him in the shade or just move him. So he was he was wasn't just going to be dehydrated. And then um, I popped my head into the stable, as as you do. And there was this filthy little scrap of a thing. Um, and obviously being born and, and kind of done her 
his rather done his in, initial um, thrashing around on the floor, uh, but in the muddy part, in the dirty part of the stables. Oh dear! So I took him outside and poured some water over him, washed him off, and dried him down, and then made sure that the umbilical cord was was well and truly iodined. Um, it didn't appear to be grossly contaminated, which, which is good. But I just wanted to wash them all off and. and tell them. So then uh, they were out and about, and then they went over and joined the the others who who stayed around for the birth and then disappeared again. So that's another another abandonment situation. So I'm not sure why they're doing that, but that's uh, they're fine and they're all back together. We fed them tonight, and everybody is doing well. So we'll keep an eye on him. Oh, he's he's coping with going across the car park for the first time. It's all this gravelly stuff, and he's not too sure about it. But uh, he's doing pretty well at getting his milk from his mum. So we'll keep an eye on that because uh, she's a first-timer. So try and stay cool yourself. Enjoy your alpacas. And hope to see you again soon. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe. And I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.